everyone. And welcome to Luke chapter 21, and it is a huge chapter. So if you've got your Bibles, if you can start making your way there, that would be great. Well, some weeks ago, Brian Goodwin spoke here on discipleship on, at Hukunui, on um, chapter 14. And he said something that, uh, that stuck with me, and he said this statement. He said, there is a difference between giving things away and giving them up. There is a difference between giving things away and giving them up. And there are a lot of people who give everything away to follow Christ, which is awesome. But you know, for most of us, it's not a matter of how much you have given away, or, or it's not so much a matter of have you given everything away, as much as it is a matter of have you given everything up. And uh, it's like, if the Lord requires it from your hands, are you willing then to give it away? That's the, the sort of challenge that he gave us. And it's like with my hands here. So if in my hands are all the assets that I own, say it's the house, say it's um, your prized possession, it's your bank account. In these hands are the things that are, that are the things that I've got looking after that I own. The real question is, is that open in the palms of your hand, that if the Lord would want to take that away from you, are you willing to give that up? Or are you like the person that has 10% here, like scales? Your hands are like scales. You have 10% here for the Lord. You have 90% here in a closed hand on the other side. And with 10%, you say, Lord, this is yours. But with this 90%, this is mine. Or are you like the person that has both hands firmly closed and says, thank you, Lord, for all that you've given to me, all that I have. The Lord, you have blessed me with so much. That is the question. Or how are your hands weighed? It's a real challenge. Well, in Luke chapter 21, we start off with a woman that not only gives everything up, she also gives it away. And remember, it's not about how much you have. It's the willingness to give up and to give away. So in Luke chapter 21, it reads this way in verse 1. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a poor widow putting in two mites or two copper coins. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. And in Jesus' eyes, it was probably more than them all together. For these out of their abundance have put in the offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Now, because we're going through Luke, I'm not going to comment too much more on this part of the chapter, but I just pray more than anything that the Lord would speak to you in your lives on this part of giving. What is it that you have in your hands? Is it yours? Is it even your property? Is that yours? That It's, it's up to you what you do with it, but you don't invite people in. Because it's yours. Or is it open for the Lord's work? your possessions, your money. So we're just going to, um, yeah, well, let's pray, and we're going to carry on through the big, heavy part of Luke chapter 21. So get ready. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you, and we ask you, Lord, just to be with us and help us to understand, we, we ask, Lord. But more than anything, Lord, help us to be um, people that are willing to give things to you, Lord, and that you would be freely able to take them as you require. Lord, help us to realize that the things that we have are only temporary on this earth, but the things that are for you are eternal. And Lord, help us to live lives that reflect that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to go through Luke chapter 
21. And what I'm going to do is, hopefully you've been able to read it through the week. You've had two weeks to read 21. Hopefully you've been able to do so. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read through Luke, uh, sorry, Matthew 24, and I want you to follow through on um, with Luke 21. So there's Luke 21, and where you see the white, those are things that are very similar between the Luke side and the Matthew side. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read through Matthew, and if you can follow through, um, looking through and reading through Luke, and you're going to see so many things that are similar. So let's start. So I'm reading Matthew. You follow on in Luke if you can, please. It says in Matthew, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Sorry, I've just gone somewhere. There we go. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up. I'll jump onto the Luke side. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. I'm going to jump back onto Matthew. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all of the world as a witness to all of the nations. And then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if anyone, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. 
For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcasses, there the, angel, uh, the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all of these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Big chapters. Did you see how similar the two ran together as you were following through? Well, what I would like to do is, however, propose to you that is something a bit different. And that is that at the beginning of these two chapters, they run in parallel. They're talking about the same events of time. And then there is one particular statement that's made. And then you're going to find that they're going to talk about two completely different periods of time, although they look very similar in the text. And then as we carry on, it's going to then at the end link back up that they're talking in parallel again. So before we go there, I'm just going to throw through a couple of um, glossary terms just to help us out a bit. And again, remember, this is just an overview, so we, we're just going to speed through some of the stuff. The times of the Gentiles, it's used here. What does the times of the Gentiles mean? Well, it's the long period of time from the Babylonian captivity of Jerusalem, which is from sitting here, it's about 2,600 years ago, until the second coming of Christ. So the times of the Gentiles is the times when the Gentiles will have control over Jerusalem. So today, Israel is, is run by the Jewish people, now, what the times of the Gentile means that it's predominantly going to be controlled by the Gentiles until the second coming. So any such control that, that Israel has over the land now is only a temporary control. Like in the Maccabean period, after the Romans, or under the revolts of Bar Kokhba, or in the Roman period, the Jewish people had control, but all such control was temporary. We know that in the tribulation, that the, the Gentiles are at least going to run down Jerusalem for another three and a half years. So this term, the times of the Gentiles, doesn't, or doesn't exclude have the Jewish people having temporary control, but they won't have the control until the second coming of Christ. The next term, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. It's, a, it's an idiom, but what does it mean? Well, there's two places. The first one is in Second Chronicles, we find this term nation against nation. And here it's the Middle East that's in focus. And when the term is used there, it's the entire Middle East that's at conflict. Okay, so that's the first one. It's the entirety of the Middle East, and that's where we find this term nation against nation. The second term, kingdom against kingdom, is found in Isaiah, and in this context, it's Egypt. So the, the context is Egypt, and all the, what's happening is there's a civil war happening in Egypt, and all of those that are involved in Egypt are at war. So it's in both situations, in the context that it's talking about, everybody is at conflict. So that's what it's representing. So, 
In the Matthew passage and in the Luke, it is the world that is in focus. So if we're talking about civil wars, it's talking about all the nations against nations, it is focusing on the world. And I absolutely strongly believe that this is talking about World War I and World War II. And the reasons for it is that at the end of World War I, something happened, and that's called the Balfour Declaration, which was a promise to the Jewish people that after 1,900 years of being out of the land, that they would be able to go back to their homeland. And at the end of World War II in 1948, what happened? The establishment of the nation of Israel. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and the result of that is amazing things that happened for the Jewish people. Okay. Next term, tribulation. Okay, this is another big one, but we just it's a period covering seven years from the signing of a covenant between the Antichrist and the nation of Israel. The, the, the tribulation has a defining starting point. So we definitely haven't been through the tribulation. The reason for that is that it says that the, the start of the tribulation, according to Daniel, is when the Antichrist, when the Antichrist signs a peace agreement with Israel for seven years. In three and a half, for three and a half years it will be peace, and then the Antichrist will break the agreement with Israel, and then three and a half years will be like it's never ever been before on this earth. And that period of seven years is called the tribulation period. Okay, the Antichrist. He is Satan's son. And I believe, just as it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that just as um, it was in Genesis chapter 6, when the angels, the fallen angels, they intermarried an impregnated woman on this earth. And because of that, the flood happened. But we know that it's going to happen at least one more time. And that is when Satan himself, as it says in 3.15, he will have his own seed. He will impregnate a woman on this earth, and, she, and the result of that will be called the Antichrist. And he's the literal offspring of Satan himself. The abomination of desolation. The abomination of desolation comes in two parts. The first one is talking about the Antichrist. And the first thing that he's going to do in the tribulation period is that he is going to stand up in the temple of God and proclaim himself as God. But also, there's something else that happens in the tribulation, and that is that he also dies. The Antichrist will die, and then it says that he then rises again. You notice the similarities. There's God the Father with his only begotten Son, born of a virgin, who died and then rose again. Satan has an offspring who will become the Antichrist, who will die, and then he will rise again. And then he takes something called an idol and he puts it into the Holy of Holies in the temple, and that two things together, the Antichrist and the image set up, becomes what's known as the abomination of desolation. And finally, just the, the elect. The elect is a term that talks about a group of people, believers that are in the time of the tribulation, but specifically talking about a group which is known as the 144,000 Jewish people, which is in the time of the, the tribulation. So with all that, just as a, as a background, what I'm proposing is this. The previous verses, before we get to this statement, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom, is all running together in parallel. They're talking about the same events. Then we have... Look, if we look at the Matthew side, it says, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. What does verse 9 say? Then. 
following the nation against nation, earthquakes, pestilences, beginning of sorrows, then they will deliver you up. So that's what Matthew's saying. Now look at Luke. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, fearful sights, great signs from heaven, but before all these things. Luke will go on and say that before this happens, the nations against nations, these things are going to happen. And the question is, how far do we take from verse 12 before we jump back into parallel that they'll both talk about the same thing again? Well, in verse 25, we have this verse of Luke 21. It says, And there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. Now, that is the same thing that's said in verse 11, the great signs from heaven. So we know that looking at the context as we go, we're going to go through it, but from verse 12 all the way through to verse 24, these verses precede World War I and World War II, but they'll specifically talk about a certain period of time. So let's start. Luke 21, verse 5, I'm going to read on the Luke side, and we're going to start going through these balances. Then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, he said, these things which you see... The days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Both Matthew and Luke are talking about the temple itself. Okay. Verse 7, so they asked him, teacher, in the Luke side, but when will these things be and what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? What things? The temple, the stone that's one upon the other. When will these things be? Now look at Matthew and look at the difference. Matthew chapter 24 on the, in the white, it says, tell us, when will these things be? And it's extra. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? It's not the same thing. They look very similar, but one's talking about the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And in fact, Matthew won't even talk about the temple. He, doesn't, he does later on, but not in the relation to the, the destruction of the temple in AD 70. He doesn't even mention that. It's found in Luke. But likewise, Luke doesn't mention when the question is, it's like, when are these things happening with the temple itself? Two different things. Um, verse 8 in Luke, it says, And he said, Take heed that no one be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, the time has drawn near, before, uh, therefore do not go after them. It's going to be a time in this early church period that many would say, I am the Messiah. And, it's happened. and if you look through the history, especially in the Jewish history, You'll find many people in that time claim to be the Messiah. Verse 9. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Verse 10. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places, famines, pestilences, and it carries on. But also Matthew says, look at this thing there. It says in verse 7. In verse 6, he names things that aren't going to be the sign to look for. In verse 6, he says, You will hear of wars and rumours of wars. That's not a sign. See that you are not troubled, for these things must come to pass, for the end is not yet. But then he says, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That is the start. So if you're ever questioning, are we in the end times? It's an absolute yes. If I say to you, how do you prove that we're in the end times? It's because of this verse. It's the nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, started off the end times, and we're in those end times since 1948, since the establishment of the nation of Israel. And all of these things are going to come. So we'll carry on. 
in verse 12 of Luke, it says, but before all these things, now compare it with Matthew, then they will deliver you up. One's before, one's after. Carrying on in Luke, but before all these things, they will lay their hands on you. This is the early church. Persecute you, delivering you up to where? The synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth of wisdom, sorry, a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and some and put some of you to death. That's exactly what happened with the early Jewish believers. They were rejected by their families, they were rejected by their parents because of the effect of what it means to step away from Judaism and to follow Christ. It's exactly what happened. And some of them, as you know in the book of Acts, got put to death. But look at putting verse 9 of Matthew back into the context. It says, Then they will deliver you up to where? To tribulation. It's a different thing. They're delivering them up to tribulation and they will kill you. Okay. Well, just If you notice back in verse 16, just that last part on Luke, it says, our relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Now, how do you equate that with verse 17? 16 says, some of you are going to be put to death. Look at 17. And you will be hated by all... Oh, sorry, 18. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will be lost. How is it possible that not one hair of your head will be lost, yet some of you will be put to death? How can you do that? How does that equate to each other? When you look in the context of AD 70 and what happened, that is exactly what happened. In the early church, some of them died because of their faith in the Lord. But there is an event that happened around AD 66, which happened, and then all of those that were believers, the Jewish believers, they went, and not one of them lost their lives. But many other Jewish people lost their lives. So we're gonna, we'll find out what that is. Okay, so again, in verse 17, you'll be hated by all. They were hated by their brothers, their sisters, their relatives, their families. They were hated by the Jewish people that didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They were hated by the Romans because the Romans also saw anyone that was Jewish not differentiating, that they were all a problem. They were hated by all. But look at Matthew. And you will be hated by what? All nations. Not just people that are around them, but Every nation, all nations are going to hate the Jewish people in the end times. But it says that not a head here of those that are in the uh, Jerusalem period or in the early church period will not, not a hair of theirs will be lost if in verse 19, but if by patience they would possess their lives. Okay, let's carry on. Verse 14 of uh, Matthew, it says, And this gospel... Which gospel? The gospel of the good news of this kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all of the nations, and then the end will come. Okay, so when are we talking? What's the context? It's the tribulation. So in the tribulation, as it goes out to all the nations, and then the end will come, but specifically, it's going to be the, the plan that God had always had for the Jewish people. What was the plan? 
that Jesus would come and return, or he would come in his first coming, that the Jewish people would accept him, and then what were they supposed to do? Oh, thanks for coming. What were they supposed to do? They were supposed to go out and tell the world about the Jewish Messiah. That's something that never happened. Guess what's going to happen in the tribulation? The Jewish people are finally going to get their call that they were always supposed to do. That they will get it. The select, especially the 144,000, will get what Jesus was saying and they will go out into all of the nations. They already speak all the languages of the world from where they come. They'll go into all of the nations and they will proclaim the good news of the gospel and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, when you see the Antichrist in the temple, when you see the idol that's set up in the temple, spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, then let him who understands, or whoever reads, let him understand, this is now the time to flee. So for the Jewish people in the tribulation, the Antichrist makes a covenant with them for seven years. After the first three and a half years, he breaks the covenant, he stands up and says, I am God, and he sets up this idol that goes into the Holy of Holies. At that point, the Jewish people are to flee and get out. But look at what um, Matthew's talk, uh, Luke's saying. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, know that its destruction is near. And you could be thinking it's the same thing. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. This is exactly the fulfillment of what happened in 1866. The Romans surrounded the, the, the um, Jerusalem, and they went to ready to take it. They were absolutely surrounded. And it's in the Jewish historian books. They encompassed it and they had it. But they didn't have enough supplies to be able to keep the siege. And so they broke the siege, and then guess what happened? The Jewish believers all recognized that this was the prophecy of Luke chapter 21, and they fled. And not one, as it's even in their writings, not one of them that was a believer lost their lives when they fled from Jerusalem. It's an amazing thing, and it's in history, it's all there. So let's carry on. In verse 17 of um, Matthew, it says, Then let him who was on the housetop not go up or take anything. This is in the tribulation time. And let him who was in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. The reason it's not in winter or on the Sabbath is because in Israel, in the winter, there's things called wadis, which if you were to flee to the mountains, the water, you'll be standing there. And then all of a sudden, it's like, um, not like tidal waves, but it's like that. You're standing there and just the, the water just runs straight on the surface. And it comes down. There's many people that have been killed in that period of time because they're standing there. Everything's dry. There's, the sun's up, everything. And then all of a sudden, water comes rushing down and just wipes them out. They pray that it may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Why the Sabbath? Well, still in Israel today, you can't travel on the Sabbath. There's no public transport. It's just the way that it is. Okay. And Luke, it says, let those who are in the midst of her, this is in Jerusalem, before um, the destruction of the temple, let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let those who are in the country, uh, who are in the country, and sorry, and let not those who are in the country enter her. Basically the same thing, two times, one is in the tribulation period, one is before the destruction of the temple, flee. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Which all things? The things that were questioned to Jesus in the, in the first part of Luke. When will these things be? When will be the sign of not one stone being upon another? When will this happen? 
when this, and he tells them, when you see these things, it's time that the things concerning Jerusalem and this temple being destroyed is going to be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days because it's going to be, it's going to be a hard time to flee. Verse 21 of Matthew, then there will be great tribulation. Again, do you notice, Matthew's always talking about tribulation. There will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Do you get that? No flesh is going to be saved. If the days weren't shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, for the group of Jewish people that are going out and proclaiming, there's 144,000 Jewish people that are sealed, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there, do not believe it. Now look at Luke. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. In Matthew it says the time is so fearful and so short that unless it had been shortened, and specifically the last three and a half years, no life would be saved. But look at Luke, it's talking about something completely different. It says the Jewish people fled, the believers, sorry, fled, and they got away. And then it says, for there will be great distress, these are for the Jewish people that are left in the land, and wrath upon this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword, which is exactly what happened in AD 70, especially if you look like places like Masada, and they will be led away captive, into all nations. When did that happen? After AD 70. For how long have the Jewish people been scattered away from the nation of Israel? Until nation was against nation and kingdom against kingdom and the establishment of the nation of Israel started again in 1948. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Matthew carries on, for false Christs and false prophets will arise in the tribulation and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. They're going to do amazing signs. They're not going to be something that, even to deceive, if possible, the elect of God. See, I have told you beforehand, therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out, or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And then it carries on with the, the carcass and the, and the eagles. But now look at Luke chapter 21, verse 25. Luke now finally deals with the tribulation, but he's only going to put it in two verses. And it says there, as it was in, in Luke 11, he says all these things happen before the signs start happening in the heavens. Now we're talking about the signs. And now we're jumping out of the difference in the between the two periods, and we're going to sink back up. So it says in 25, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. We're back into the tribulation for Luke. And then it says in uh, verse 27, of Luke, then they will see the sign of the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws now near. We're now in a line with Matthew. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, 
And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. It's at the same period of time that we're jumping back into. I'm just going to read from Luke, not Matthew. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is near. So when you see all these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. When you see these signs, not the destruction of Jerusalem, when you see the signs in heaven, when you see these things that are happening, know that its time is very, very near and the kingdom of God is coming close. Verse 32 says, It links up with Matthew. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, the generation that will see the signs in the heavens, will by, or in the tribulation time, I'm talking about all the things of the abomination of desolation, all the stuff that Matthew was talking about, when they see that, assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. An amazing thing. It's a if you look at the passage like we said at the beginning, they look very similar, but I definitely believe they talk about two separate periods of time, and also history does show some of those things. I'm um, just in closing now. Yet now, the last part of Luke chapter 21 finishes with the same theme as where we started, and that is a a purpose dedication to God. Remember the woman that was at the beginning; she gave up. She gave up everything, but she also gave away everything that she had. And in the last part of Luke chapter 21, following on from verse 34, it says this. Oh, before I go there, just, just you, you may not have agreed with a lot that I just shared with you. It might be new for many of you. You might not agree with some of the things that I said in the way that things shift or the verses that we went through. Or it might have been a struggle to follow where we've been racing through because like it's, it's just over as an overview um, because it's end times events. But what I can guarantee is that you'll understand the start of Luke and the end of Luke, chapter 21. The start was, are your hands ready? Are you ready to be give those things that the Lord would require from your hands to him? And verse 34 says this, but, so let's take out all the eschatology stuff, all the stuff talking about end times, temples, let's remove that, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with grousing, drunkenness and cares of this life, that the day, um, and that the day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Therefore watch and pray always that you may be counted worthy. The real thing is, if, even if it's a struggle to understand end times, the question is, are your hands open? Are you dedicated to God? Have you, are you being counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man? Are you worthy? Are your hands out? Are they there with whatever what the Lord would take from you? You would actually say, yes, that's fine. Whatever is in your house... Is your house your own? Do you see it as your place? That if someone else came in, a stranger, that you wouldn't be able to do that because it's yours. It's not, it's not the Lord's, it's mine. It's a real challenge that you may be counted worthy to have your hands up. And I'm not saying that the Lord would do it, but if he requires that from you, will you be willing to give that away? Because these end times events are coming. We are already in them. 
If it is the nation against nation, World War One and Two that started the end times, the way that the nations are going now and all the things that are lining up the pictures, we are getting very close to the end times. Are you ready for what's coming? Are you prepared? And more so, are you worthy or are you ready to lift up your hands and offer those things that are, that are for the Lord's? Let's close prayer. Father, we just come before you, Lord, and we know that when it comes to some of this end time stuff, it can be, Lord, it's just such a, a big, um, big area and there's lots of different interpretations on it as well, Lord. But Father, we do know that at the beginning and the end of this chapter, Lord, you just say to us, are we in the right place to be with you? Lord, we know these things are coming. We even see the signs in the places that we live now, the earthquakes increasing, pestilences. We know it's going to keep on increasing, Lord. We also know that the Jewish people are going to be hated more and more. If they hate you, they will have to hate the nation because they are the key, Lord, of some of what's going to happen in the end times. But Lord, help us not to be found just doing things of this world, the cares of this life and what we're doing, Lord. But may we be different. May we look different. May our hands, Lord, be prepared for you. May we have whatever you have given us, Lord, ready to give back to you if you require it, Lord. Help us to be people of faith and of walking uprightly, Lord, and just being forward for you, Lord, to tell others of this terrible time that's coming. Lord, help us to have a heart for the lost. This is where they're going, Lord, and this is a terrible time. But even worse than that, Lord, is to go into hell and to be eternally separated with with the fear, Lord, or the hurt of the, the flesh being consumed as well as the spirit. Lord, help us to get that. Help us to understand what that actually means. Help us to be fearful of you, Lord, and to tell others about you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.